You are listening to Investing Matters, brought to you in association with London Southeast. This is the show that provides informative, educational, and entertaining content from the world of investing. We do not give advice, so please do your own research. Hello, and welcome to this Investing Matters podcast. My name is Peter Higgins. Today, I have the huge privilege of speaking with Ian Barnes, Chief Investment Officer at Net Net Wealth. I had the fantastic privilege of having Ian joining me on the Investing Matters panel at the Master Investor Show back in April, I think it was, Ian. And we did brilliant with an all-star panel there. So thank you for coming back for some more. I promise you, Ian, that we're not going to get any questions today about a potential World War Three scenario, okay? <laughs> okay, so, that's a good start. Yeah, thank you. So, Ian, please, can we start um, a little bit, please, regarding your background, where you grew up, what you studied, and where you studied um, when you were, you know, young man? Okay. Um, gosh. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up in a bunch of different places. Actually, I grew up. Uh, I was born in born in Essex, but then uh, very soon after that, my uh, parents took us on a bit of an international journey. So I lived in in New Delhi in India, and then Karachi in Pakistan, up until I was about eleven, and then came back to London, uh, studied there, and then went to university up in Edinburgh, uh, where I studied history. Uh, uh, yeah, great times wow. all round. <laughs> yeah. What can you tell us? A, tell us a little bit about all that. Then, what, what was the, the journey in you know New Delhi, Karachi? What, what were your parents doing in a sense of career-wise for moving around with that sort of uh, frequency? So, uh, my my dad worked for a uh, a bank that took us out to uh, New Delhi. Um, we spent four years there. I think um, from the age of four up till uh, up to eight. And then a further three years uh, got got bumped along the road down to to Karachi in Pakistan, um, and then yeah doing 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 the same job. And then he got rerouted back to London briefly before then. Uh, eventually, he headed out to the states, and uh, uh, and carried on carried on a bit of a nomadic journey from that point. Brilliant, absolutely fantastic experiences for you. So, what did you what did you study at um, Edinburgh University? I studied I studied history. With a, a focus on uh, modern history, but quite a wide-ranging uh, degree, which was which was great fun. Uh, it was four years, which was part of the attraction, I think, when I was when I was eighteen, trying to trying to delay the inevitable of uh, of getting a job um, because it was a bit cheaper back then. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, had had a wonderful time. So I've got a lot of a lot of family who are based up in in Scotland. Um, so really enjoyed really enjoyed going up there. Brilliant. Now. I want to talk now about your, your your first job, you know, in the investment industry. Because obviously, prior to joining NetWealth, you have 15 years in multi-asset management, investment management, holding senior portfolio roles at Schroders and UBS Asset Management. Please, can you tell me a little bit about those significant roles, including assets under management, and what your responsibilities were, please? Yeah, sure. So I... Uh, I, I joined the the graduate training program at Schroders uh, around the turn of the century, uh, sadly enough, and um, and it was it was you know great a great formative ten years 
uh, and a, a wonderful start to the career, learning lots of different aspects of, uh, of investing in a, in a re really fantastic organization. Um, I worked originally within the, the European institutional team, looking after um, balanced mandates uh, there for, for institutional clients when, at a time when the investing and businesses side were, were more sort of co-joined. And then that evolved into working uh, directly for, for multi-asset portfolio management. So looking after um, some uh, uh, some funds which were distributed via different uh, um, advisors around different locations, um, and really with a with a with a, with a you know quite a wide remit in terms of um, picking different funds, but also managing the overall um, sort of exposure within a within a about a five person team. And that was yeah, that was a great great experience. I left there to go to UBS. So on the institutional side, again, so asset management rather than within the wealth management world. And again, developed a responsibility for income-oriented strategies. So running multi-asset portfolios, but with an income orientation. And I was uh, one of the voting members of the um, asset allocation uh, committee there, which oversaw, you know, quite a quite a, a broad um, remit in terms of, uh, you know, geographic and uh, and and you know, sort of, sort of different product lines um, there. Thank, thank you for sharing that. You touched on the started at the beginning of the century mm. um, and also the fact that, you know, multiple different skills that you attained during that time. What were your greatest learnings over that 15-year period? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I think, yeah, so so I, th I think that, you know, if we think about it, so, uh, you know, starting starting work in the city in 2000 you sort of right there when the 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 original dot com bubble was was bursting and i think the 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 turbulence of 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 that journey was quite um was quite an education like right from the start and that, the one thing i picked up from from all of the you know the great people that i've worked with is is this you you've got to have a bit of a mentality i think when looking after people's um savings and investments that um, the environment that you're in in any one point in time will pass at some point. So try to keep a very level head in terms of understanding what's driving markets at a particular point in time. Try to strip out a bit of the noise that inevitably sort of takes place. And I guess arguably you could say has increased through time. Um, but just focus on, you know, what you're trying to do with uh, different investment strategies with a view to delivering on the ultimate ultimate goal of helping your investors you know stay invested and 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 reap the rewards that that investing in markets can give you thank you for that reply i appreciate that now ian you, you join net wealth and their exceptional award-winning ceo and co-founder charlotte ransom and the outstanding co-founder tom salter in early 2016 what attracted you to what essentially was a startup for hybrid wealth management service and what was your initial responsibility there? Because you'd taken a big leap of faith, really. I well, I thought. I'm sure your family thought that as well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, they certainly did. No, I, um, I, th I think it's uh, it was it, it was the idea that you know you'd you'd be joining an organisation right from the start and having had a a great education in you know in in substantial companies, you know being being put in a position where you had ultimate responsibility for you know a meaningful part of the business and uh, the opportunity to to really have an impact uh, of of helping something something grow right from the start 
which was which really excited me and i think having having worked on the institutional sides quite often building strategies that were then um uh, sort of sort of managed with a view to being distributed through wealth management arms sometimes um i felt i had a good sense of what uh wealth management clients were really after and i felt that there was a really great opportunity to break into a market that that we we didn't really feel was sort of fit for purpose as things stood when we launched and so the the, the opportunity to really make a difference not just in terms of individual um individual client outcomes but also in terms of sort of you know shaping a company the way we think it should be made Brilliant. I love that response. I love that you, you're you wanting to get there from the ground up as well and take that leap and actually make it work. And it's been a, a huge success, which we'll talk about a bit later on. Um, thank you for that. Um, please, please then share with me um, an overview of net wealth and its innovative approach, please. Yeah, so so um, Charlotte and Tom started NetWealth in 2016, really with a view of taking the best bits of a, a traditional wealth manager. So, um, you know, I would I would include competent portfolio management were within part of that, but you know, a human-led investment approach, um, access to to quality um, uh, and experienced client advisors to provide human-led advice when when necessary, um, but sort of wrapping that up in a more technologically enabled framework. And that's really the key that trying to get that, that flexibility um, that good tech um, delivers for you to make something efficient and scalable, but still retain that um, that human touch when when individual clients really want it. Thank, thank you. And what I wanted to ask firstly about the the three-pot theory. Well, let's go to the basics here and just get people to understand that particular nuance, please, um, for, for those that have not heard of it before. Yeah, sure. So, so the three-pot theory is essentially trying to help people understand the different moving parts of their of their their savings and their and their wealth and how they manage their their overall picture of their um, of their financial situation. So when we think about you know uh, pot one uh, as Charlotte would call it, uh, that's your typically you know your your current account and you've got you know your earnings coming into that um, bank account, your outgoings um, going going through it as well. And you need to have sort of a bit of a, a bit of a buffer there. And then we think about pot three, which uh, we call the passion pot. It tends to be where people sort of concentrate um, a bit more of their a bit more of their wealth. So for most people that in in the UK at least that starts with owning uh, their own property. Um, occasionally people have rental properties, or it might be something like a an investment in a in a um, a friend's company, or you know, exposure to your your own sort of stock holdings that you get through through your work, etc. Um, or it might be something that you have a particular passion for, like I say, like you know, people talk about you know, fine art, fine wine, or <laughs> motor cars, or something like that. But these are typically uh, long term holdings that you either derive a lot of um, joy from, or you have a, a particular interest in in building. The problem with those holdings, though, is that they tend to be pretty illiquid. So you can't trade out of those assets um, at the drop of a hat. And so if if something happens, you know, you want to you want to be able to access a bit more of your, your finances. So the problem is that people sort of uh, tend to allocate a bit more to 
the other extreme in pot one just because they're aware that they can't access what you know what's going on in pot three so so our approach is to say well what about the bit in the middle so pot two um the best way to to um, structure your finances is to make sure that you've got this sensible what we would call core um, investment portfolio that's um, trying to make incremental gains but is also readily liquid and so by making sure you've got a decent pot two in place you don't have to keep too much stuck in a, in an unprofitable um allocation in 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 your you know your day-to-day -day, um funds so so that's how we that's why we 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 think uh you know you can really make uh, decent gains by making sure you've got a sensible liquid portfolio in pot two and that's where we come in Brilliant. Now, if you, do, if you do me a big favor here and please just expand on the net wealth investment met methodology and philosophy that's applied across all the portfolios, please. Yeah. So, so the, the yeah. first thing is that um, all of our portfolios are run, uh, you know, sympathetically to the the overall ethos of the of the company. So, um, we want to make sure that we're doing sensible things well. Now, that means building in a level of diversification. So you have uh, different assets that respond in various ways to changing circumstances. And it means doing it in an efficient way as possible. So from our point of view, that efficiency means having a centralized team that look after all of the all of the um the client's assets within the that net wealth look after. So you haven't got different individuals doing different things. Um, and that means that it's pretty scalable from our point of view. So all clients have their own all portfolios. But they all look exactly the same um, per different risk level as appropriate. The other part of the efficiency is to invest predominantly on a passive basis. So the majority of our assets are held in exchange traded funds or ETFs. And you can go quite a granular level to make sure that you get the right exposures within your portfolio. But it just means that you're cutting down on those what we view as unnecessary costs. And by, by taking an, an efficient approach, it means that you're reducing those unnecessary costs and you're increasing the amount of the or the share of market returns that can be passed on to to client portfolios and that's where we really focus a lot of our energy thank you for that you touched also there on on the charges can you just expand a little bit on how your charges differ to the the bulk of your peers in the wealth management side of it in a sense of you know much reduced and and how do you go about getting that much reduced cost to benefit your clients yeah well that's really where the technology comes in so um because uh, other people have got you know what we would we would say a sort of an, like antiquated sort of technology and, and things creak a bit or or you know there's a there's a big theme going on in the moment in in wealth management so i'm sure you're aware of of um different firms being bolted together at different times and trying to sort of hammer different um costs uh cost structures together and different information you know systems um together it, it all becomes quite clunky so we've built everything from the bottom up um, and the technology is there to provide greater access to information for clients and to help our sort of streamlined team to be able to share that information with clients um, readily and so that everyone can interrogate and, and, and understand their portfolios a bit better. So that greater efficiency spreads throughout the whole business and you know the hybrid approach of making sure you've got qualified people available to do those um, 
you know those necessary parts combined with flexibility from technology is is what enables us to keep those costs down and the result you know it's it's always hard to say but you know we think average costs look through costs of our portfolio is probably a third to a half of the of the average and so when you're thinking that you're delivering the same market returns but at lower cost just those returns compound like so much faster. And as you extend the time horizon, because most people are investing for a number of years, that just, you know, compounds for faster and faster. Yeah, it's very important to look at those costs and say the compounding effect is absolutely huge regarding it all. Um, can we talk a little bit now about the demographic of your clients um, regarding, you know, where do, they, where do they come to you from in a sense of the size of their portfolio commencing to where it actually goes up to? Because it's, you know, some people might think actually that service might still be too expensive for me. So where can people come in? Yeah, so the, so the minimum okay. for a, a lead investor is fifty thousand um, pounds. Now we have clients you, as you would expect, who range like significantly above that, and the average portfolio size is about three hundred and fifty to four hundred. But we've got you know large institutions as well that have uh, that back us. Um, uh, as well and sort of either quasi-institutional or, or charity um, portfolios as well um, in terms of individuals it's quite a broad demographic as as you would imagine and um, we we work quite hard to understand where clients are coming from and it's a real mixture actually it's a, it's a um, some people are investing for the first time because they've been put off because they haven't found a, a good solution um, previously um, another uh, chunk of clients come from DIY platforms, either because they've found the experience like a bit more challenging, perhaps in you know in volatile market environments than they had imagined, and just sort of want to step back from things. Or alternatively, in some cases, it's really interesting to see we've had some people who've who've um, started out on DIY platforms and and enjoy it. I've been quite successful, but really would prefer to keep it sort of an, um, as a as more of a hobby and have someone else look after sort of like the, the majority of their assets. So if things have grown a bit too big. Um, but I guess, you know, the, the, the bulk of clients that we're seeing that we're coming across are people who um, are unhappy with their existing um, provider. Um, we think that gradually that there's a, a bit more education in terms of um, the costs that are being incurred, it's, you still hear some really surprising stories about how unaware people are of of the look through costs that they're um, that they're incurring on portfolios. But you know, if if people have had a bad experience or or they're unhappy for one reason or another, then and they're looking around, then sometimes they come across us. And actually, some of the some of the um, some of the corporate activity within the wealth management space is is quite a good catalyst for us because um, inevitably sometimes clients don't necessarily feel that their um you know that their interests are being looked after as part of that transaction and and that's a that's a catalyst for change but it's it's quite a broad quite a broad mix yeah thank thank you for that i think you've touched on a really good point there regarding the consolidation that's going on regarding the asset management wealth management space and some people are going well i don't want to be part of that group <laughs> i want to, i want you to be here and then that offers up an opportunity for yourselves and your, and, and your team so yeah, thank you for that. Now you touched on the fact that some people are actually moving across um, to to your to your platform, and the better service, lower charges, etc., are going to be attractive to them. What what happens when a client approaches um, net wealth with say a large sum of money? They've sold a business or they're moving the whole the whole portfolio to you, but they've got concerns about the uncertainty of the markets right now. What do you put in place, and how do you go about 
transitioning them almost slowly if they don't want to put it all in at the same time in the market. Yeah, that's a good point. So, so we we can work with people with a um to to set up a, a schedule that they're comfortable with. I mean, it's it's always a it's always a big question for people if they have been invested. Then we typically sort of say, okay, if if you're if you're just coming out of the market just to change provider, it just makes sense to be invested, you know, straight away. There's no reason why this should really uh, change your overall risk profile we would say um if people have come into money from you know from a from a, a new source uh, as a one-off sort of life event that sometimes happens then we can work with them to make sure there's a there's a there's a good um schedule that people can stick to and really what we what we tend to find is that the best solution is just to make sure that you've got something in place that everyone's comfortable with and and that you you know can just help you provide the discipline because it's always a nervous situation when people are you know, are, uh, are wondering whether or now is the right time to, to you know, to, to pull the trigger on a meaningful amount of money for them. So you want to try and take that emotion out of it, if, if at all possible. Brilliant. Thank you. Now, Ian, it's, it's, it's extremely difficult for investment professionals at the best of times to keep up with the constant changes regarding pensions. Please, can you tell us about the Net Wealth Pension Service and how your team go about ensuring they keep up themselves, but also maintain keeping their clients up to speed regarding all the government changes that keep, you know, keep going on, don't they? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I think that's right. And and so for, from my point of view, I just look after the investment side. Um, the client advisors are the ones who stay on top of that, thankfully. So that's sort of out, outside of my remit. So I would have to defer to my better informed clients on that point. But you're you're absolutely right that it's a it's a constant stream of information and 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 changes that are that are, you know that are really impactful for people's long term um, outcomes. So, uh, you know, quite often we're 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 just there to to um, be ready to you know provide a um, a bit of a bit of background um, for people if they if it's not an area that they're comfortable with. And one of our you know one of our client advisors is easily able to inform them of any changes. I'm glad it's not me. Now, yes, I can yeah. see the smile on your face. <laughs> Uh, now, given we've talked about all the various different portfolios, uh, the pension, etc., um, availability of service for, from yourselves, can you share with us the nuance and the benefits of the net wealth network and how that would benefit, you know, a, a larger group of people? Yeah, so this is it's, it's um, the network, something that um, has been really popular since launch, really. Um, and I think it's about about three quarters of all of our clients are, are part of a network. Um, the idea behind it is to be very open to people and say, okay, we we recognize that you're probably not investing as an individual. You know, all of us are, you know, probably uh, got, you know, in the in middle generation quite often, uh, you know, so we're, we're, we're sort of influencing um, older generation sort of investment plans as well as, uh, as well as our, our children and, uh, and sort of younger relatives coming, coming through. Um, and what we wanted to do was to say, okay, why why can't we work a little bit smarter to make sure that everyone can benefit from you as a, a family or friendship group investing in concert? So um, you have a, a lead investor, say, who might come in with a pension, um, but if you then add uh, a spouse's set of ICEs or you know older relatives' um, general investment accounts that can then take you up say into the next sort of 
cohort in terms of the fee levels that are on offer. And everyone gets to share on the lower fee rate that that bigger pot um, gives you access to. And it's really popular. So, so for myself, we've got, um, you know, my my pensions and and ISAs, my my wife's ISAs, um, my mother's general investment account, my kids' JISAs, all wrapped together in one network, and that gives you access to the the, the lowest possible fees. And we just think it's really nice in terms of opening up that conversation which is so important as a family group around money. You know, a lot of us get all too British about things and, you know, don't tend not to discuss these things too much. And well, everyone, you know, you're not, you're not sharing, you know, the details of your financial situation with anyone, but you, you know, a, mm. a conversation is always good around these things. I think it's, I think it's a brilliant idea and, and clearly it works. And you touched on the importance there of having those conversations and also it adds a layer of education for everybody, including, you know, we're going to talk about your, your sons a bit later um, for, for the children of, the, of you know, the, the third generation. Um, you know, you're talking about your parents that, you know, grandparents, yourself and then them. It's fantastic. You know, start that conversation, which we don't tend to have, I think, until it's almost too late. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okie dokie. One of the things that you've you have got on the platform as well. And a lot of people talk about ESG and all and all the rest of it. You've got the ethical side of, of the investing availability to, to um, clients. Um, Net wealth health, the socially responsible investing portfolios. Please can you share those um, investment propositions with us as well? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we've launched those uh, about three years ago. Um, and there we felt it was, you know, it was it was important to reflect um, you know the different opportunity set that people can 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 choose in terms of uh, how they invest their money. Now, um, it's always it's a bit of a tricky area because, you know, if you talk to anyone about what they think uh, a socially responsible investing means, you get as many different answers as people you ask. So um, you have to try and when whenever you're trying to structure a um, uh, an investment strategy for people try and build something that you think is attuned to your own um, uh, thoughts but also try and capture um, I think you know something something that that, that will excite people now for, from our point of view um, it was very important to us that we stayed quite true to the overall net wealth ethos so that's basically diversification consistency and efficiency when we're looking after portfolios. And so we wanted to make sure that we didn't lose those aspects when putting together what we call our, our SRI portfolios. So they're still investing in ETFs and they're investing in um, ETFs that follow a very consistent approach. So you're not investing in like one US equity manager who takes you know one view on what um, you know, ethical investing is, and another in emerging markets who has a totally different approach. We think it's important to have something consistent, so we we follow the the MSCI socially responsible in, indices um, for that for that point of view. Um, but importantly, we think we we tried to map the level of granularity of our core proposition to those SRI portfolios. So the outcomes will be different. You know, no one wants to invest in something that they think is you know, got got greenwashing in it. So it's just SRI in name only. The outcomes will be different, but they should only be different because of that, what we call factor of, uh, of, of SRI risk. So it's most clear, say, when you're investing in, in the UK stock market, because we invest in 
you know, in, in ETFs that follow the FTSE 100 and then a, a smaller company's index as well. But of course, the UK index itself is quite concentrated in in energy and 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 other resources. So the fact that some of those are excluded because the the strategies have got a, a very clear sort of carbon reducing um, uh, objective means that your outcomes are going to be are going to be quite different there. The the other important thing to note is that there is just that slight incremental additional cost when investing in those strategies because the the liquidity of the instruments aren't quite as efficient now we're talking from like super efficient to sort of you know a slight slightly more incremental cost there but i think it's always worth noting brilliant no thank you for sharing that now talking about the different new nuances and the the balance regarding these etfs and the weightings regarding some of the stocks we've seen this new rebalancing going on i think it happened this week in the us regarding the smp and obviously we're talking about the the mega caps which seem to be absolutely mm. accelerating this year now some of those mega mega us tech mega caps including the likes of microsoft apple meta tesla nvidia as of market close yesterday were soaring higher 44% to 205% year to date, Ian, right? Yeah. What has been yours, like, you know, you're the investment officer here at NetWealth, your strategy uh, to attain some of that exposure year to date to AI, um, robotics, and so on and so forth? Yeah. Um, well, it's been, it's been extraordinary to watch. Right, because I think I think a lot of people, you know, have been aware of the the earnings power of the of the consumer tech sector within the within the U.S. for you know for the past decade, um, but um, but this year has been something else. I mean, I, th I think you know they they've outperformed for for good reason over a number of years. Um, you know, the 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 U.S. stock market has led global returns you know significantly because of the consistency and 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 uh, of of the earnings growth driven a lot by you know these names the broader us sector you know economy and 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 stock market as well but a real concentration here i think the difference um to us this year has been um th there's been a lot of sort of ex post justification of why these these stocks have been have been going up and a lot of the time you know they they haven't been delivering those um higher stronger earning streams they've been delivering better forecasts for future earning streams and i think you have to you have to recognize that but also it feels as though there's just quite a lot of animal spirits acting within that part of the market now one of the reasons why we go passive is to make sure that you capture some of those big winners like a, a lot of a lot of people when they're talking about the the travails of active managers they think it's people active managers picking you know rubbish stocks i i don't i tend not to think that that's the case i think that the difficulty is when a lot of returns are driven by a few stocks if you miss a couple of the big winners then your returns relative to that benchmark index are just um, you know fall fall behind a little bit so that's always in the back of our mind of of, uh, of of how to navigate through that, and it's been a you know it's been a a, a a winning strategy you know since since we launched. Like a lot of active managers have struggled. At the moment, we wanted to retain exposure to the U.S. equity market um, and all that it represents. You know the dynamism of that of that economy, 
but we did feel that some of those tech stocks were going to be a source of volatility in the future rather than um you know the the real the real drivers of performance and so you don't want your portfolio when you're saying you're providing a diversified portfolio you don't want too much concentration risk so so we've participated in it but we've also added um an etf which takes an equal weighted approach to the S&P 500 which has you know has has been lagging this year um but you know gives us confidence that we've got that broader exposure we're not going to you know um live or die by the performance of those of those individual names that you've mentioned and and one one like further thing on that even though you know we've allocated say 20% of our US equity allocation to an equal weighted strategy which has definitely lagged year to date our US equity portfolio is still beating um, the average active manager, which I think is quite interesting, and because it, it it sort of serves to to some of the challenges of navigating or navigating through all of those sort of behavioural constraints that you know people that are investors are always um, hampered by. Brilliant. No, thank you for that full response. I really appreciate you touching on the importance of concentration risk there as well, because I think a lot of people get into the FOMO of it all. They see, you know, Meta. Nvidia and so on and so forth, absolutely soaring as well as Tesla. And they go, oh, I need to buy some of that now. It's like maybe just you know <laughs> calm down a little bit, you know, yeah. and and watch it and such. Now, NetWealth are an innovative platform. Um, it's tech led, as you've touched on already. Um, a piece of McKinsey research came out and estimates that artificial intelligence may deliver an additional economic output of circa thirteen trillion by twenty thirty, increasing GDP by. 1.2% per year, Ian. Have NetWealth considered any further AI innovations regarding their platform and maybe tweaking some things to make things even more efficient going forward? Yeah, I, th I think it's um, it's a really interesting it's a really interesting topic, and I think even even now, you know, you mentioned Nvidia before, and um, people are seem to have most confidence in um, you know the old the old analogy of it in a, in a gold rush sort of you know making sure you own um shovels and things like that rather than mm. sort of going out and, and exploring yourself um so i think a lot of people are uncertain as to where those future winners are going to going to come from from our point of view we're trying to think about how efficiency can help um across every strand of the business so within the investment um component um it's you know, I think I think you can you can obviously see immediately that there are sort of boundless opportunities out there, but also all other parts um, of our business is is quite important as well. So when we think about um, our client advisors, so we've got a team of eight client advisors who um, can offer different levels of um, advice, sort of regulated advice with a capital A, or perhaps just sort of more um, more basic guidance on on people's um, uh, investment strategies and that's where you know you can you can see ai tools becoming a lot more um helpful of delivering the efficiency of that of that guidance so you can get good structures in place to make sure that um you don't have to spend as much time you know as an individual advisor making sure that you know the client interests are, are all aligned properly and then on the 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 developer side so half of our um half of my colleagues are developers so they work within the, the the tech team building the platform and there's all sorts of implications for 
you know, I think for for open source coding and 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 the rest of it of how they can um, streamline all of the work that they're doing, either as you know sense checking what they've done or uh, a sort of automated proofreading of um, of of the work that they put in, as well as you know using um, you know other other streams that you know um our cto is probably best better qualified to speak on rather than myself but i think i think it's fascinating to watch it um and i think you know usually a lot of people get get too worried about the negative implications of of new technology rather than thinking about you know how we can embrace something and uh and you know use it use that as a a, a sort of a, a boost to human endeavor Brilliant. Thank you for that full response. I appreciate that. Now, talking about innovating, we're talking about AI, but you've already started or launched a, a, another latest innovation. Um, by that, I mean my net wealth. Can you tell our audience about that, please, and how they may be able to utilize it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're really excited about it. So I guess the the a lot of the the platform, the original net wealth platform, has been built to provide a lot more transparency. Um, to help people understand um, what their what's happening with their their investments, and to help project into the future what their situation might look like through different you know life events and 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 types of investments, we wanted to take it a stage further, and so of providing a, a, a free tool, so you, you don't need to be a client to use it, but it's a way that you can um, bring all of your different investments from different places all into one place so that we don't you don't have to monitor everything with with a spreadsheet um and we can identify the nature of what that investment represents um and so that'll help you uh in terms of understanding what's going on um but also uh projecting the future performance of of different asset classes and so it's really to to enable people to um you know to to help plan things a little bit better from their from their overall financial um uh, state of mind and then leading on from that if 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 they want to then um pick up the phone and speak to one of our advisors who can offer that um guidance so that the we'll have a have a conversation and then that will produce a sort of a, a semi automated um guidance report for them in an efficient way Brilliant. Thank you. I've only got a few more questions for you, but I, I need to touch on your own personal investing strategy as well. You touched on you, you are part of the net wealth network and you've got your family's investments in there. But can you tell me about your own strategy? Do you, do you just apply it to the net wealth portfolios or do you do anything outside of that regarding your, your own personal investments? um yeah no i'm 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 everything is centered within uh within net wealth i think i'm pretty i'm pretty boring in that regards i've got uh you know lucky enough to to have a have a uh a house and everything then you know my my ices and my pension are all invested with net wealth i guess my my pot three would be being a, a small shareholder within within net wealth itself so you know we we try to provide the opportunity for for everyone who works here to to earn um a bit of ownership of the of the company um which i think is you know is a is a really good initiative um but that's my pot three brilliant no i, I really appreciate that candor and thank you for sharing that now with regards to your you, you've got three boys uh, i believe um, <laughs> that's right do you put in Sorry? That's right. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, three. So I thought I got it wrong then. Um, giving you another one. <laughs> so, um, so do they 
have investments going in from the grandparents from yourself do, do they do it on a regular do you put them in on a regular basis or is it sporadic and lumpy um i guess it's a little a little bit of both you know we try and we try and plan uh, a little bit and then uh, you know they they've got grandparents that are you know uh, like to give them little uh, gifts every now and then um everything you know goes into their their net wealth choices um their risk level 6 investors and they really like the way that they're you know they can they can see what is what is in their portfolios um they know that i look after it so they they can be pretty harsh judges at times <laughs> you know asking me why i don't have more more tesla and and things yes. like that whenever we see a tesla um but i think you know i think i think it's great in terms of under, having an understanding of of money and encouraging uh, you know, an attitude and an aptitude to to investing, and and it's something that they you know they take a lot of enjoyment from. Brilliant, and they're getting their own back because I I hear that you are you are also um, a coach for a junior football team. Is it that the team that they even <laughs> plays for? Or uh, yes, yes. So um, I'm a coach for the the mighty Milford Pumas, playing the Surrey Primary League. Um, I have coached each one of them at, at some at some stage. I've now I've sort of I keep demoting myself to go down to the younger year groups. So the the, the kids are a bit nicer at that age. So yes. I look after um, a group that are going into the under twelves next season. Got high hopes. Brilliant. No, I wish, wish you well. Now I'm going to wrap up with a couple of fast fire questions for you here, Ian. Uh, firstly, there's loads going on regarding the macro environment. Um, and I just wanted to get to get you to touch on your current views on markets regarding inflation and interest rates, if you just be so bold. I'm not asking you to, to nail it on the mass to say Ian thinks that. Just a, a general sort of viewpoint, please. Uh, sure. Well, I think, I mean, obviously, it's the, it's the, it's the massive... Um you know, topic that's been driving markets for, for a number of years now. And, and together with my, uh, my colleague, uh, Jared Lyons, um, you know, we feel as though we've had a pretty good handle on um, the inflation story um, that's been, that's been driving markets the past, the past couple of years. Um, we're at a very interesting point now, I think, where you're going to start to see a bit more divergence in terms of the, the the inflation experience you know we know that the uk for for a combination of reasons has had a, a slightly more stressed experience than than other places there was good news last um, month in terms of inflation starting to come down um i think it's you know i think i think i'd agree with consensus that you're going to see headline in, um, inflation drop you know reasonably quickly the trouble of course is what that that core inflation number is doing and um the one the one uh, sort of nagging concern i think that thinking about quite a lot at the moment is that the market thinks that the uk, UK and european um uh, economies are going to have to deal with higher inflation than the us for a given period of time and that the central banks are going to have to respond to that now i think the uh, you know the federal reserve is is meeting today the expectations are that you know they are closer to the end of their journey now um, markets are pricing in you know decent level of cuts from the us interest rates in the in the next few months um whether or not they come through you know not too sure but i think it's going to be interesting to see how 
the central banks in the UK and Europe try to handle the situation when the US is on more of a, a clear sort of easing path and they're still feeling the pressure of high inflation at home. I think the the risk of a policy mistake is really increasing. You know, arguably you could say that um, they're too slow to get started on this um, on the rate hiking journey. Um, it'd be it'd be you know really a pretty bad impact if they were too too late to respond to the to to the slowing economy pressures as well. And you know some of those indicators that came out this week on um, surveys from manufacturing um, industries. You paint a pretty pretty uh, stark picture. Now we know that manufacturing isn't as large a component of economies as it as it used to, but it still tends to have like quite a, quite a strong delta in terms of the direction of travel for 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 economies. So we might see servicing um, um, parts of the economy slow as well. And so, yeah, yeah, I think I think it's something to to watch out for that like the sequencing that different uh, the different markets have to face. Thank you for that thorough response. Absolutely brilliant reply. I really appreciate that, Ian. Thank you. I've got one more question and then I've got the final question. Okay. This is just your opportunity, if you could, Ian, be so kind enough to reiterate to our global listeners of ultra high net worth individu individuals, institutions, and private investors what makes net worth, net wealth, such a unique proposition and different wealth management company? Um, well, I, I, look, I, th I think it's I think it's the the idea that we're trying to combine um you know, you know bang up to date technology with the human element so we've got experienced uh, professionals doing things in a sensible way across either you know speaking to clients on an individual basis or um investing portfolios making sure that we've got um the processes in place that can enable us to deliver quality proposition uh, at at scale and because we can do that it means keeping a lid on costs that we think are just unnecessary in the rest of the industry and there's a, there's a lot of you know there's a lot of uh, road to go in terms of the, the the journey for the uk wealth management industry but we think that the way that net wealth is set up as a as a company and in a, particularly as an investment proposition is much closer to where the rest of the investment the rest of the the market is going to look um in in you know five ten years and so um we're really excited that that you know clients are, are recognizing that and supporting us and um yeah it's an, it's an exciting thing to be part of brilliant thank you now my final question and you'd be pleased that it's the last one okay <laughs> you're building you're this up quite a lot <laughs> You've, you've had over two decades of experience, many different experiences in the investment and wealth management industry. My final question to you is this. What are you most proud of and why? Um, gosh, from, from, from a professional point of view, um, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm proud of what we're, we're, we're doing here. I'm, I'm proud of, um, you know, being, being, you know, having, you know, having the courage to to join something from a from from start, um, and launching an investment service that I think is is doing a really good job in terms of delivering a strong investment outcome for our clients. Not trying to pretend that we're, you know, we're doing anything we're not. We're just offering sensible propositions in a in a in a 
tech-enabled way at low cost and the compounding effect that we've managed to pass on to clients is adding value and you can see that through the performance numbers so i'm i'm proud of that brilliant absolutely brilliant it's been an absolute delight Ian, to have you on this invested matters podcast with me um, ladies and gents that was ian barnes the chief investment officer of net wealth ian thank you ever so much again for joining me again today sir thank you thank you peter it's a pleasure speak soon take care god bless you thank you for taking the time to listen to investing matters be sure to check out the london southeast website for free tools and info to research your next investment you can also join in the conversation on our social media channels and don't forget to subscribe to our youtube channel for more content including our ceo interviews catch you next time